It's time to blow the trumpet in Zion. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel with Pastor Ray Greenlee. Today's broadcast is pre-recorded. Are you concerned about your final acceptance before God? Are you concerned about whether you'll spend your future in heaven or in hell? Are you concerned about your standing before God? Are you concerned about the condition of your soul, the condition of your heart? If you say, yes, I am, I am concerned, I am deeply concerned, then you are certainly on the right road. The first gift of the Holy Spirit is conviction of sin. When conviction begins to come into our hearts, it's because the Holy Spirit is drawing us. He's beginning to deal with us. If, on the other hand, you answered the question, no, I'm not concerned, I'm saved, I'm not really concerned about what's going to happen at the judgment, then you are probably not saved, and you are probably a person of religion who has no real walk with Jesus Christ. This seems to be a a dividing line, a place of separation. Now, there are some, like Charles Finney, who was a great preacher of the past, who, when he was converted, was fearful that God had left him because his heart was so at peace. I'm not saying that our hearts should not be filled with the peace and joy of the Lord. Our hearts need to be filled with that peace and with that joy. The problem comes when our peace and our joy comes from our worldly surroundings, from our accomplishments, from our accumulation of money, or our wonderful family. Our comfort is being drawn then, not from Jesus, not because our sins are forgiven, not because the bondages of sin have been removed, but because of our comfortable American lifestyle. I want to go a bit into this today, reading for you Pilgrim's Progress written by John Bunyan, published in 1678, a classic of the Christian church, considered by many scholars to be the number one allegory in the Christian or in the English language, not just the Christian faith, but in the English language. He wrote two volumes. The first was the story of Christian, as he made his way from the city of destruction toward the celestial city. The second volume of Pilgrim's Progress was the story of Christiana, his wife, 
who refused to journey with him while he was alive. But after he died, she then made the decision with the children to go on the same journey that he'd been on. And so in the story we're sharing now, Christiana and the four children, along with Mercy and their guide given to them by the Lord, Greatheart, they're making their way toward the celestial city. As they make their way, they meet a man by the name of Mr. Honest. Mr. Honest says that he came from the city of stupidity. Stupidity is further away from the celestial city than the city of destruction. You know the city of stupidity by the coldness that is there. Everything is frozen. But when you begin to approach, when you grow closer to the celestial city, he said, you begin to thaw and a softness comes into your heart and into your life. So Mr. Honest is having a conversation with Greatheart, and they're talking about a man by the name of Mr. Fearing. Let's pick up the story. When he got to the entrance, that is, when Mr. Fearing got to the entrance of the valley of the shadow of death, I thought I was going to lose my man, not because he had any inclination to go back. He always abhorred that. But because he was ready to die from from fear, from fright. Oh, the hobgoblins will have me. The hobgoblins will have me, he cried. And I couldn't shake it from him. He made such a noise and such an outcry that if they had only heard him, it would have been enough to encourage them to come and attack us. But I took very good notice of this, that the valley was as quiet while he went through it as I have ever known it to be before or since. I suppose these enemies there had a special constraint upon them from our Lord and had been commanded not to meddle because Mr. Fearing was passing through. You know, I just want to say, The Lord knows your heart, and he knows my heart. And he abounds in love and kindness and mercy and forgiveness. And he knows exactly what we can tolerate. He will not let us be tempted beyond that which we can bear. He always provides a way of escape, so that none of us need be overcome by the enemy. Remember Mr. Honest saying, Christians don't ever give in. There's no reason to. They always have the victory. When they don't, it's because they chose to give in. Because sin is always voluntary. We cannot be forced into sin. All the devil can come and do is lay out his lures lay out his deceit, lay out his attractions. 
It's up to us if we're going to go after them. Now, Mr. Greatheart says, It would take too long to tell you everything. Therefore, we'll mention only one or two more passages. When he arrived at the Vanity Fair, I thought he was going to fight with every man in the place. I feared we both would be knocked over the head because he was so hotly against their foolishness. Upon the enchanted ground, he was also very alert. But when he came to the river, where there was not a bridge, he was again in a very sorry situation. Then he said he would be doomed forever and would never be able to see the comfort of that face that he'd come so many <coughs> pardon me he'd come so many miles to look upon and great heart went on i also took notice of something remarkable the water of that river was lower at that time than i ever saw it in all my life so he finally went over in water not much higher than his shoes. You remember when Christian crossed this Jordan River? The water was very deep, so deep that he went under the water, and he gave up hope of ever being able to come through. But hopeful, reached out and took a hold of him and drew him to the surface. And their faith took hold, and it seemed as though the water receded, and he finally was able to put his feet on solid ground. And he made the rest of the journey with the water very deep, but he was able to make it through. Now, Greatheart tells us that this man, Mr. Fearing, he went through and the water barely reached above his shoes. I've sat with many people as they've died. I've seen some struggle and agonize and curse and swear. But I also want to tell you, I've seen Christians die. I've sat at the bedside of many a dear believer as they've crossed over that river. Most recently, I sat at the bedside of my wife as she crossed over. As I held her in my arms and commended her into the heart of God, the water wasn't deep for her. She crossed quickly and easily, and then she was gone. All of us are going to go to that river. Those who seem to cross over most easily are those of a humble heart, those who don't think highly of themselves, those who have the peace of Jesus in their hearts, their hands are lifted up and their trust is in him. Always touched by the story of of God's saints as they cross over that river. 
I'm interested in this because I know I too will cross over. John Wesley, when he was crossing over, he said, if you find more than six shillings in my pocket, you'll know I'm a thief and a robber. He'd given all of his money for the work of the gospel. He crossed over encouraging his family and friends. He crossed over singing songs of praise to the Lord. And finally his breathing stopped and he had crossed over. Are you ready to cross over? Have you humbled your heart before God? Are you ready to cross that river? Have your sins been put away? Have they been washed by the blood of Jesus? Have you been made clean by the blood? Are the bondages of sin broken from your life? Are you walking free of any known sin and any rebellion against the Most High? Then there should be peace in your heart. But there will still be some fear and some concern about how you will be met at the gate. But I do give you this testimony. Bunyan writes that when Mr. Fearful began to cross the river, he was terrified. But then as he crossed, his faith rose up. And as he climbed out of that river and he approached the gate to the celestial city and the dear guide took his leave, the guide said to him, I hope you have a good reception at the celestial city. And Mr. Fearing said, I shall. I shall have a wonderful reception at the city gate. And it was so. Then it seems, says Mr. Honest, that he was well at last. Oh, yes, said Greatheart. I never had any doubt about him. He was a man of a choice spirit. Only he was always kept very low. And that made his life burdensome to himself and sometimes troublesome to others. He was above many others in being tender about sin. He was also so afraid of doing injury to others that he often would deny himself of that which was really permissible so that he wouldn't offend them. But what would be the reason that such a good man should be so much in the dark all of his days? Ask Honest. I want to stop a moment and And before we answer this question, I want to look at again this statement. He was a man of choice spirit. He was always kept very low. He was always kept very low. I've seen something and experienced something many times in my life as a pastor. I'd like to share it with you as a warning. 
I've seen a man or a woman walk in the depths of sin and then suddenly repent. Now, this is a person who has often walked with Jesus, but they've walked back into their sinful life. They have rebuilt what they destroyed when they came to Jesus. And so they've been caught in lying and cheating, stealing or adultery, fornication. They've been, they've been trapped in a snare of sin. And then by the grace of God, miraculously, that person is delivered from their sin. And suddenly it's as though their mind has been cleared. The fog is gone. And they can say, I will serve the Lord. Now, I always rejoice when this happens. But then, for many, a very strange thing occurs. Too often, I've seen that same person a day or two days later, after they have broken with their sin, suddenly raise themselves up very high. I've even had them come and and begin to criticize me. I've walked with them in their sin. I've been compassionate and caring and loving to them in the midst of their sin. As they've been down very low, they've needed much compassion and much understanding. But now suddenly they're raised up. And now they come back and even criticize. They criticize me or they criticize the body of Christ. They become very self-righteous. Oh, pastor, you shouldn't be saying that. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be thinking that. What? What? A day out of your sin, and you're now so self-righteous that you can correct the very ones who walked with you and helped rescue you from the depths of your sin? This is the pride that rises up in the heart of a Christian that will cause them soon to be cast down low again. Oh, I don't take offense at them. It's all right. Whoever says whatever they want to say to me, I'm not accountable to others. I'm accountable to Jesus. And then I'm accountable to my brothers and sisters if I begin to walk in sin. But I'm really accountable to Jesus. And other men's or women's judgment of me is not going to influence me or cause me to turn aside from the way the Lord has laid out for me that I'm to walk. So I'm not personally offended by a person who does this, but I am desperately concerned for them because it indicates there's much pride in their heart. It seems that as low as they went, they now want to compensate by going high. So suddenly the person who was in the midst of utter despair and sin is now speaking the word of God, full of the Spirit, ready to take on the devil. 
I'm saying, no, no, stop, stop. That's how Mr. Fearing was so successful in his journey. He was unwilling to climb up high. He he had no interest in climbing up high and judging others. He had no interest in maintaining his own pride of life, his own position. He didn't want to establish his position. His only heart's concern was, what am I going to do with Jesus? And what is Jesus going to do with me? And will I be saved? Can I be saved? And there was that fear in his heart of God. Of course, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So I'm always very concerned for a brother or a sister who begins to turn away from sin, gains the victory, and then wants to laugh and joke and criticize even the ones who helped him walk through to victory and begin to think of themselves as somebody. Because as soon as that happens, you know, very soon they'll fall again. And once more, they'll be humiliated. They'll be in the depths of depression. They'll walk in the filthiness of their sin. I've seen this happen time after time after time. I found it true even in those who really are not Christians. Let's say a man goes broke. He becomes very humble. You can speak with him. You can converse with him. He's open to suggestions. He's a humble man. But then suddenly the tide turns. Suddenly he's gaining great success. His finances are restored. He's now back on his feet. Oh, now this man is in danger of becoming very proud. And suddenly he has all the answers. You can't talk with him. He knows what you should do. He knows what everyone around him should do. He is the master strategist. A week ago, he was in the depths of despair because every business that he attempted crashed and burned. You hearing what I'm saying? I love this man in the story, Mr. Fearing, because he stayed down low. He didn't rise up and assert himself and pretend that he was the man, that he had the answers, and that he was capable of challenging and and changing what everybody around him was about. He had a single focus. A single focus was, I'm on my way to heaven. I saw this beautiful T-shirt a man was wearing. It was bright red, and on the back in bold white letters, it said, one mind, one body, one goal. And under that was written in large letters, fitness. 
I'd like to make some T-shirts for the National Prayer Chapel. The first line would be, one mind, then one body, one goal, heaven. Heaven. See, a man who begins to walk with Jesus doesn't rise up and become proud when he has a little bit of relief granted to him by the Spirit of God. Instead, he stays down low with a humble heart, teachable, a man who can be counseled, a man who's going to stay quiet before the Lord and not rush out and begin to do something great for God. Another form of this is when a man listens to this broadcast and begins to feel convicted of his sin. And he finally has the courage to get down on his knees and begin to repent. And the peace of God begins to enter his heart. And then he says, look, God has done something great for me. Now I have to do something great for God. And I have this wonderful plan. Pastor, would you help me with this wonderful plan? And we can evangelize the city. No. 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 Stay quiet before the Lord. Let him finish the work in your heart. Grow in the gift of repentance and humility. Recognize that you're not God's answer for the world. He already gave us his answer. His name was Jesus. He already gave us the strategy and the power to win the lost. The blood of Jesus administered through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're so quick to rise up and begin to wave our flag and say, Look, Pastor, I'm forgiven. Now I'm ready to go do something great for God. No. Stay down low. Stay down low. Don't rise yourself up and pretend that you're somebody or that you have some great power, some great idea. Stay in the prayer closet. Stay before Jesus. He'll tell you what he wants you to do if he wants you to do anything. Most who have just come to Christ, most who have just gained the victory, should do nothing except testify to their friends and family. Look, I was a sinner. This is what I did. Now, by the grace of God, I've been healed and I've been set free. And you give God all the glory. This man, Mr. Fearing, did not lift himself up. He stayed low. He stayed humble. Now, let me read this next part for you. It will open another window of understanding. But what would be the reason that such a good man should be so much in the dark all of his days, ask Honest. Well, there are two sorts of reasons for it, answered Mr. Greatheart. One is that the wise God will have it so. Some must play the flute, and some must weep. 
Now, Mr. Fearing was one who played upon this brass instrument. He and his friends play the trombone, whose notes are more dark than the notes of other musical instruments, though indeed some say the the bass is the foundation of music. For my part, I don't care at all for that profession that doesn't bring in heaviness of mind. When the musician intends to bring all the strings into tune, he usually touches the bass strings first. God also plays upon this string first when he sets the soul in tune for himself. Only here was the imperfection of Mr. Fearing. He couldn't play any other music but this until his latter end. This is very instructive. Mr. Fearing was able to go through with much fear and trembling. But Mr. Greatheart is saying, I don't care at all for that profession of faith in Christ that doesn't begin in the heaviness of mind. Do you hear what he's saying? If there is not in your heart an understanding of the heaviness of sin, then you have not been saved. For what would you be saved from but from sin? The only reason we need to be saved is from sin. And with sin comes the great conviction of our wrong and the heaviness of knowing our wrong before a holy and righteous God. So any profession that simply wants to add Jesus to an already full and wonderful life has not understood what the call of the gospel is. There needs to be a heaviness in our souls. This is very difficult. A dear brother had a dream. The National Prayer Chapel was gathering to begin to pray. And he said suddenly he saw many people beginning to flood into the National Prayer Chapel. And there was not a program going on. It was just people were coming in in silence, sitting in their seats. And many of them began to groan and weep before God. He said some sat in the congregation and looked around with wonderment and curiosity because they felt no heaviness of heart. The invitation was given, cry out to the Lord, because it's time we must get right with Jesus. And many began to weep before the Lord as he dealt with their hearts as the heaviness of conviction began to fall upon them. But some sat and just looked around, curious. Some began to take a nap, bored by all of this. I'm very concerned for you today. 
Is the Holy Spirit bringing deep conviction into your heart? And are you dealing with the heaviness of that conviction? Or are you without conviction? You're walking in sin before God. You admit that much of what you do is ungodly. You admit that you are not one with Jesus, that you do not have the fullness of the Spirit in your life, and yet there is no heaviness in your soul. You content yourself with good food and good friends and good entertainment. You content yourself with a wonderful paycheck, working for the government or working somewhere. There's no heaviness in your heart. I'm very concerned for you. Some of you have lifted yourself up very high. Some of you even listen to this program in order to correct my theology. I feel very sorry for you. You are of all men and women to be most seriously prayed for and wept over. Because there's no conviction of sin in your soul. And if there's no conviction of sin, there's no opportunity to repent. And if there's no repentance, there will be no entrance into the kingdom of God. You say, oh, I repented once long ago. I know. I once felt that same way. I had repented, I'd finished with that, and now I didn't need to repent anymore. And had you said to me, Pastor, is there sin in your life? I would have said, I don't have a clue. None that I know of. And yet my life was filled with sin, with rebellion, with pride, with all kinds of things that were of darkness. It wasn't until I went before the Lord and began to plead that he would show me my life, that he would show me how I appeared to him, that I could begin to see myself as he saw me, that the conviction of sin began to fall on my soul. And then I became so undone, I could not even lift my eyes to heaven. All I could do is cry out, O God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I have been deceived by the enemy. My eyes have been blinded to my condition. Have mercy on me, O God. Do you need to do that? Do you know what your condition is from God's perspective in your life? Are you willing to begin to sit before the Lord or lay before the Lord on the floor and ask him to show you your condition before God? If there's no heaviness that comes into your heart over sin, it's probably because you're not saved. You're lost. Does that concern you? Let me continue. I'm bold to speak metaphorically like this for the maturing of the minds of the young readers and because in the book of Revelation, the saved are compared to a company of musicians who play upon their trumpets and harps and sing their songs before the throne. 
Then Mr. Honest said, He was a very earnest man. As one may see by what you've related of him, he didn't fear difficulties. He didn't fear the lions or vanity fair at all. It was only sin, death, and hell that were a terror to him. And that was because he had some doubts about his share in the celestial country. You're right, said Greatheart. Those were the things that troubled him, as you've well observed. They arose from the weakness of his mind about that, not from the weakness of spirit as to the practical part of a pilgrim's life. I dare believe that, as the proverb says, he could have bitten a firebrand had it stood in his way. But no man has been able to easily shake off the things with which he was oppressed. Then Christian said, This account, Christiana said, This account about Mr. Fearing has done me good. I thought no one had, had been like me, but I see there is some similarity between that good man and me. Only we differ in two things. His troubles were so great that they broke out. But I kept mine within. He also lay so hard upon himself. His sin was so heavy that they made it so that... (laughs) Pardon me. It made it so that he could not knock on the door. But my sin has been so heavy upon my heart that it has made me knock all the louder. If I might speak my mind, said Mercy, I must say that a part of him also dwelled in me, for I've always been more afraid of the lake of fire and the loss of a place in paradise than I have been of the loss of other things. Oh, I thought, if I may have the happiness to have a dwelling there, it will be enough, even though I part with all the world to win it. And Matthew said, Fear was one thing that made me think I was far from having within me that which accompanies salvation. But if it was so with such a good man as he, why may it not also be and go well with me? No fears, no grace, said James. Although there isn't always grace where there is the fear of hell, yet to be sure there is no grace where there is no fear of God. Greatheart said, Well said, James. You've hit the mark. For the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. To be sure, they who lack the beginning have neither the middle nor the end. And we'll conclude here our discussion of Mr. Fearing. So John Bunyan was teaching that without fear, there can be no grace. Now, a man can be fearful and have no grace. But a man without fear cannot have grace. I'm very concerned about this today because many of you 
have lived day after day, month after month, year after year, and you have no fear of God. You're comfortable in your life. Oh, you may have some thoughts about the future, but you quickly push them aside with the busy things of this life. You basically have no fear of God because you have no sense of your sin. You have no sense of your desperate situation before God. You've believed some lie that has said, Oh, you're saved. Don't worry about it. You're on your way to heaven. Just love Jesus. Just make Jesus your best friend. You've been deceived, my brother. You've been deceived, my sister. It doesn't work like that. My phone number in studio is 877-534-0780. If you have no fear of God but would like that I should pray for you, that he would send that fear into your heart, I'd be happy to pray with you today. Or if you, like Mr. Fearing, are filled with concern, and you would like to be encouraged, I would be happy to pray with you. Our number is 877-534-0780. Would you like just to take some time and ask the Lord to come and begin to deal with your heart, either to bring conviction or to bring comfort. We either are in need of great terror or great comfort, which is true of your heart today. Hi, Joshua. Welcome. What would you like to share? Um, hi, Pastor. I was just uh, recognizing earlier that uh, you spoke about a man who was similar to myself. Um, I've been one of those who would be very down when in sin, um, but I have to acknowledge that that's actually a, a false humility. I'm not really humble when I'm in sin. I'm, I'm raised up against the Lord in sin and rebellion. And when I come out, I feel elated and I, I feel wonderful to be free from the sin. And then I do. I can. I used to be very, very abrasive towards others and judgmental in my self-righteousness. Um, now, I don't do that, but I can be, I don't know how to put it, a little bit uh, tongue-in-cheek sometimes in saying the way I think things should be. And I, I'm just wondering how you think a person should address differences in views or whatever um, with those who are over them. Um, I don't want to say things in front of a congregation that would cause division, but if there's something I have a disagreement on and I feel like I might have something that could be beneficial to the person over me, how do you think I should or shouldn't go about that? Joshua, the very fact that you would even ask that question tells me that there's great pride in your heart. And that pride has to be repented of. It's as that pride is as wicked and as destructive to your soul as is lust or lying or cheating or any other sin. It's, it's a pride and an arrogance that God cannot deal with you on. It's not your place to correct. It's not your place to, to tell those who are over you 
do this or do that until you have allowed the Spirit to grow up in you something of value. Some things are earned, Joshua. Respect is one of those. And it's earned by carefully, humbly walking before the Lord, not by correcting another. So it is an issue of pride, and I would urge you to deal with it. And to stay down low, Joshua. Don't don't lift yourself up, but stay down low. Let Jesus do something of value in your spirit and in your heart. Let me pray with you. Lord, I just bring Joshua to you now and ask that on one side he would not walk in the sin that attracts him, and on the other side that he would not walk in pride. I ask, Lord, that you would set him free just to stay low before you, to be humble before you, to be in your presence, Lord, and to be taught of you, to be fed by you. Lord, I just ask your blessing of peace on Joshua today and encourage him, Lord. Carry him. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, Hello, Richard. Welcome. What would you like to share? Nothing. Hello? Hello? Yes, what would you like to share? Um, nothing right now. Nothing? Can I pray for you? Lord, I don't know what Richard wanted to talk about, but I ask that a great conviction of sin would begin to fall upon his heart. I ask, Lord, that you would deal with whatever the issues are that are going on that would prompt him to call, and then fear would cause him to move away. And Lord, if he's one like Mr. Fearing, would you encourage him in the journey? And would you cause him to rest in you and to stay down low while he rests in you? Lord, I thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Our number is 877 534 I'm going to ask Mr. Producer if he'll play a favorite song of mine. And then the Red Sea parted. Yeah. 
gets of Egypt drew nearer as they cried. Yet Moses stood there calmly with a fearless faith inside. He said there is a power far greater than the sword. Stand still and you will witness a mighty salvation from our Lord. And then the Red Sea parted, for now there was a way to enter in rejoice.
I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I want to invite you to come and fellowship with the National Prayer Chapel if you need to be in a place where conviction can begin to move on your heart. Or if you need to be in a place where you can be encouraged in this walk with Jesus. You're welcome to go to nationalprayerchapel.com. There you'll find directions to the church where we meet. We meet at All Saints Anglican Church in Woodbridge, Virginia, on Gideon Drive. And you're welcome to come. We're right next to the Hilton Memorial Chapel. It's easy to find right off Route 95. So I invite you to come and worship with us on Sunday afternoon at 12.30 p.m. Tuesday evenings, 7.30 p.m. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you.